Based on the best-selling horror action game, Silent Hill stars Ryder Mitchell as Rose, a desperate mother who takes her adopted daughter Sharon to the town of Silent Hill in an attempt to cure her of her ailment. After a violent crash, Sharon disappears and Rose begins her desperate search to get her back. She descends into the fog of smouldering ash and into the centre of the twisted reality of a town's terrible secret. Rose begins to uncover the truth behind the apocalyptic disaster that burned the town 30 years back. Dare to step inside the horrific town of Silent Hill, where darkness preys on every soul and hell's creations wait around every corner. But know that once you enter, there's no turning back. I'm Kev Moore, and joining me on this beaten track of an episode is Lee Howard. Hello, Lee. Hiya. Andy Pidieski. Hi, Andy. I'm stuck in a lost dimension. <laughs> Hello. And special guest Nick Jones, who's not from around these parts. Hello. Kicking off proceedings, we'll give you a bit of information about each film and then give you our thoughts on them uh, on a film-by-film basis. As this is a Ballyhoo episode, we're concentrating on the media that's connected to the world of gaming without discussing the games themselves, which suits me fine, to be honest, because those games give me the willies and I've got no chance of getting past the menu on them. The first Silent Hill film was directed by French filmmaker Christophe Gans, who'd previously worked on the internationally renowned period horror film Brotherhood of the Wolf and the adaptation of best-selling Yakuza manga Crying Freeman. The screenplay of Silent Hill was written by Canadian Roger Avery, known for his work on the screenplays for Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, and his own feature adaptation of Brett Easton Ellis's The Rules of Attraction. Director Gans, a self-proclaimed ardent fan of the game franchise, took five years to obtain the rights to make the film. He secured the rights after he sent Konami an audition-style video in which he passionately described how much Silent Hill meant to him. Gans and Konami even reached an agreement that the filmmaker could promptly utilise the original compositions from the uh, first uh, few games in the series, uh, composed by, and I'm going to murder this name, but I believe it's Akira Yamaoka's... Uh, musical themes is that right guys I've got no familiarity with the games at all so I wouldn't know same here same here <laughs> filming began in February 2005 with an estimated 50 million dollar budget shot on sound sets and on location in Brantford Ontario the film was a co-production between Canada and France and features an international cast and crew Significantly for horror fans, Cronenberg's production designer of choice, Carol Spear, headed the creative team translating the source material from game to silver screen. As mentioned, the film is an adaptation of Konami's survival horror game franchise and takes its emotional, religious and visual elements from the first four games in the series. Silent Hill came out in both the UK and the US in April 2006, grossing nearly $100 million. The critics praised the film's visuals, set designs and atmosphere, but criticised the film for its dialogue, plot and runtime. Yeah, the runtime's a real problem. It's longer than Star Wars, which is a real problem. On Metacritic, it has a score of 30, and fares a little bit better on IMDb for about a 6.6 out of 10, and which is about the norm for a horror movie. Well, that's probably all we need to say as an intro for a film that's celebrating its 10th anniversary this year. There's no point actually saying there's going to be spoilers because we're going to have plenty of those as we go through it. 
So let's dive in and find out what we think of this video game adaptation. Do you think it works or hurts? I never played the games, so... It hurts so badly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think the incessant calling of Sharon certainly hurt a few of our ears, didn't it? Oh, yes, it did. It was enraging. Sharon! 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 So I think um, three of us at least have already admitted that we haven't really had much experience with the games themselves. Andy, have you played any of the Silent Hill? Oh yeah, I've played um, the first two. First one on the PS1, which was really good. Um which played to the used the limitations of a PlayStation quite well, if you remember quite rightly. The idea of the fog in the original PS1 was due to the limitations of the hardware; it couldn't process the background quick enough. So yeah, draw the distance fog. on it. Yeah, draw distance on it. Um, and I've played Silent Hill Two, which is probably considered the best in the series. That was came out in two thousand two, I think. So last time I played, it was about twelve years ago. Um, I can't remember much of it, but it was good. I do own the a few, quite a few of the others, but I haven't got around to playing them. Yeah, no, like the but reason yeah, I ask is because um, I, to be honest, I don't tend to really gravitate towards video game adaptations. I wonder why, because <laughs> obviously the, ones that, <laughs> the quality of them. Uh, but I mean, I didn't know whether is this film something that was on your radar because you had played those games. I mean, is it, um, how did you watch it on its initial release? first one I did watch I think when it came out on DVD it would have been so I probably just rented it out and on this rewatch I was like god I can hardly remember any of this film you know <laughs> so well, the plot does get su- heavily convoluted doesn't it especially in the second yeah, half yeah which suggests quite a bit but you know I did watch it when it originally came out in its original DVD release um and that was about it. Really, I didn't really think too much of it. It was neither here or there. And but I'll reserve my opinion until further as we go in. <laughs> I saw the group of friends on. I think it was. I think it was even opening weekend. We had gone to a comic book convention and then went to that afterwards. I still regret it, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this was um, only kind of on my horizon because it was very early in the the kind of high def format war so you know you had the hd dvds and blu-ray and um, certain films were coming out on one format and not the other at that stage and i remember silent hill came out i think probably only about a year after its theatrical release and it was like really heavily praised as being one of the best looking hd dvds at the time and um I kind of had seen a trailer. Obviously, I knew the name of the game series, but I wasn't attached to it in any way. And I kind of, I guess, like many people, probably was quick to dismiss it as something I wouldn't necessarily want to see. Um, but it was actually Michael, my co-host on Movie Matters, who saw it before me, and he, and he actually was really, really positive about it. Um, so yeah, I took the chance and saw it probably around, you know, probably a few years after that. And uh, I don't know whether I'm going to be the only voice of positivity or not, but I, I actually genuinely just talking about it as a kind of as a horror film. Um, I, although I can probably guess where they've taken influence from the game, 
visually and kind of orally and how well they've kind of done that even as an outsider but I think just on its own merits as a horror film whilst it's a mixed bag there's there's definitely some unique kind of strengths to it that I think it would make it merits a watch which is not what I expected going in I thought it was going to be complete kind of um tripe and trash that would just not hold my attention so although you've kind of made a comment about the running time previously I think actually there are a lot of positives in amongst some of the kind of more obvious flaws which I'm sure we'll pick up on in a moment Are you suggesting Lee that Silent Hill led to the death of HD DVD? <laughs> well it shouldn't have done because it was one of the um, it was one of the examples of actually the superiority of that format you know like if you go back to the Betamax versus VHS days Betamax was the one that had better picture quality even then but VHS was cheaper to manufacture so that's why mm. that won and to be honest once Sony and obviously had pushed Blu-ray and you know one of the great things about the PS3 was the fact that it adds such a well-performing Blu-ray drive in the system at an affordable cost compared to other standalone players really that helped get it into homes you know so yeah. sadly HD DVD went by the wayside although I still think you know purists out there would say actually that format was the best out of the two and just thinking about right off the bat we were talking about the uh, video notes it says rada mitchell's rose is desperate not once but twice in the space of a paragraph which pretty much (laughs) (laughs) pretty much sums up all of her character yeah it's just it's it's a shame because like rada mitchell is kind of like i was going to say b-list but she's probably more like c-list wasn't she seen as like the um poor man's uh, Kate Beckinsale because didn't she replace her on one of the late Underworld sequels and of yes, course she, she was in Pitch Black I'm just, yeah. she was actually in a Woody Allen film as the lead I think Melinda and Melinda but you know ultimately I, I don't know I don't I don't think she's an unlikable presence but I do find her a bit of a cipher you could have said the script mm. doesn't give her much to do but I kind of did long for a, a more a strong or a heroine who's able to kind of convey depth even though it might not be written on the page well you say that but not a lot to do you think about sean bean oh Fuck's it's awful, sake, it just no, he sits honestly, in his office terrible. turns off the credit card and then gets out goes to silent hill doesn't find a lot and then the police say to him go home and he goes all right then and goes home by far, the weakest, by far the weakest part of the whole film for me, and a horrendous accent as well. That yeah, <laughs> oh, yes. him finding her was absolutely insane. Anyways, who closes their computer? Oh, here's my Google search. I'm just leaving Google open. At least I know I at least close a window from a closed laptop. There's no way you <laughs> yeah. just open the computer like up oh, there. She is there. There it is. Really? <laughs> but I mean, Andy, you'll probably have to. You'll probably be able to clarify this. But isn't um, the protagonist in the Silent Hill games? A man. So, is it Sean Bean's character would ordinarily have been the lead, and they've somehow yeah. relegated him, yeah. or have they just created his character like he actually? None of these are actually the people from the game, or what? They actually based it on the original character. And I can't remember the guy's name. And is that's it Sutherland, isn't it? Somebody Sutherland S- is the main. Is, is the bloke? I thought he was the bloke. I mean, they call they're called the the De Silva family in this, but. I mean, I know from, um, I think Kev was talking to me offline or he, he put together some background on the film that, um, this is it the studio were, because that Gans decided to write it predominantly female, you know, there's that whole kind of motherhood and kind of like femininity aspect mm. to the plot and the, some of the horror elements, which we'll probably touch on later. But I get the impression the studio insisted that Sean Bean's character was kind of inserted into the film and gave him that whole kind of subplot of, 
going to find them. But I mean, yeah. when you actually watch it, that's what drags the film down. Like you're complaining about it being two hours. You could have trimmed it down to 90 minutes by getting rid of him completely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's only supposed to be in the intro and then that's it. He's supposed to be cut out completely after that. Um, and the detective that arrests him and sends him home, he was never even the, in the plot, you know. Yeah, and, he's um, from Sons of Anarchy, isn't he, that actor? Yeah, yeah he's yeah. from Sons right. of Anarchy. The, yeah, um, you're right. Christoph Gans um, presented him with the, the script and the studio sent it back and says, there's no men in it, which is ridiculous because now you're getting the, completely the opposite. You know, let's make Ghostbusters completely women. It's just <laughs> crazy, isn't it? How he can change around in 10 years. I just think it's a shame. They obviously gave him, you know, a relatively um, respectable budget. He had the blessing um, of Konami and they were able to really kind of... Mm put a lot of that budget up on screen in terms of the production design um, and the sound design. Again, not two elements we'll probably talk at length on later, but it's a shame because I remember this is coming off around the time that Neil Marshall's Descent was out, which I think is one of the best horror films of the last decade. And that was like an all-female cast. So I really would have enjoyed... I think it it would have helped this film enormously um, if it could have just focused primarily on that female cast because that seems to be so central to what the kind of underlying theme is, certainly in the imagery and certainly in this kind of like more religious um, zealot storyline that we get on later. It's like you've got loads of different mother-child relationships in the film and it all seems to be about, you know... Um, I think I read somebody that somebody said this film was misogynistic because they interpreted a lot of the the horror to be derived from like that whole kind of imagery of the monstrous feminine. There's like you know a lot of kind of like female mutilation in the film and um, things like. That. But actually, it's drenched in this kind of female hysteria throughout, and you get all yeah. different sorts of representations of women in the film. So I don't think you can just dismiss it again with that lazy argument that it's misogynistic because. Like we're saying, actually, the more interesting roles, whether they're villainous or or the heroines, are females in the film. Talking about the women protagonists, Laurie Holden uh, was, plays the cop. She looks like she's in, in tryouts for the America's Hottest Cop Contest or something. <laughs> she wins I, it shortly I, after by <laughs> ditching the leathers and the helmet, though. Yeah, I really like Laurie Holden. She was dumb. Yeah, no, but I really <laughs> like her, obviously, from The Mist and The Walking Dead. If anything, I could have preferred her as, as, as the Ryder Mitchell character. I think she'd got yeah. more going for her. I mean, again, she's kind of a one-note character in it. Yeah, they all are. Well, I, well, I did when I first saw her. I did get a distinct T2 vibe, and I was half expecting it to shapeshift. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the look, yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, looking down the cast list, you have got some notable names, like um, Deb Runger from um, Crash, you know, Cronenberg's Crash, obviously. Is and another, The Game. Of course, yeah, the Fincher film. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was going to say like another Cronenberg connection because we've before I mentioned that the production design on the film, which is one of its major standpoints, is Carol Spear. Obviously, yeah. he's done such great work with Cronenberg. You've also got I can never pronounce her surname, but it's is it Alice uh, Krieg? Alice like Krieg, yeah. yeah, yeah, she's from Star Trek. I I think she's genuinely good in this film. Like I think she probably I know she's performing at eleven, but as Christabella, the kind of leader of the the kind of cult. I just, you know, she hams it up, but I think that's in keeping with the kind of tone of the piece because it does get more and more hysterical as it goes towards the end. And I kind of, I actually enjoyed the fact that it didn't pull punches. So there's like quite a horrible burning scene of the Laurie Holden character towards the end. Um, and her just kind of like, you know, the, the um, cult leaders kind of haranguing of her beliefs and things like that. I, I thought it was quite good that it went to a darker place it felt more adult than a kind of kiddie 
yeah, I don't know. They could. I think that a lot of horror films they tone it down to get a broader audience. Whereas I'm assuming this was definitely an 18 certificate. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, the the burning scene is quite great as well. You know, it still looks good today, but it's quite credible. You know, when she's actually just starting to lose a voice you know and her skin is just starting to bubble and you can just see suddenly it's going a bit ashen it's a, quite a, a good scene and it still stands up and it's 10 years later which yeah, is and, something and by and large I think you're right although there's obviously a lot of CGI I think that actually a, a, an awful lot of the photography stands up and I think a lot mm. of the criticisms we've already kind of levelled at the film is to do with its script and you could argue some of its performances whereas I think the visuals and the sound really come into their own and make the film worth sitting through regardless yeah. of if it's running time because um, the cinematography even from the from the opening although well, we've joked that it begins with um, you know Sean Bean's character and Ryder Mitchell searching for Sharon their daughter who's having these kind of night terrors and she's kind of run, kind of sleepwalking but running off and they constantly yell her name but even from then you've got interesting camera angles you've got like really beautiful kind of solid darks you know so many horror films their night photography looks so bloody fake or you know whereas you could lose yourself <laughs> in the shadows in this and i just thought it looked gorgeous even before it got to silent hill but thankfully actually it doesn't it jettisons because it doesn't seem to it seems to know that it can't do a good job of writing the story it seems to just get to silent hill as quickly as it can and then from there i think the visuals take over and there's such a evocative dreamy nightmarish mood throughout the whole film i must admit i was really transfixed by that not being familiar with the games i loved that um transition from the kind of barren open white spaces to the um you know the more kind of claustrophobic nightmarish dark you know, hell yeah. world that comes across and then of course you've got the um, cutting scenes where you've got um, Sean Bean and the cop and they're going around the same town but it's daylight and it looks completely different even though there's the same buildings yeah that's it because they're kind of on a different what is it like a they're on the plane different plane aren't they yeah. Yeah. yeah they're on the upside down <laughs> it's such a tropey start you know the beginning of the kid escaping from a house running through the woods yeah and it's just like I was just like watching it. I was like thinking, uh, okay, watch, watch, watching it, and you just like we're doing it again. It, it's such a part. I, I think it's a really poor start to the film because it, it, it's been done before. It's been done better, and then it's revealed either something she sees something in the pit. She's like an image, and it's like, oh please, no. <laughs> Why have you started like this? It's it, it as a film as it, as it intended to grab you. It never grabbed me from the start. You know, because in every mm. horror type of film or TV series, we always see some little girl running through the woods, escaping from her home, and something's going to happen to her. Yeah, there's so many tropes. So many tropes that it actually uses. The sequel does that as well, doesn't it? Oh, the, the sequel has a You've got 10 Sharons before the um, opening credits as well on that. Yeah, it's insane. Like, one, <laughs> Sean Bean should have been smoked by the like when he was running across the street because. Around the corner, no. But when she goes to step off the edge, like her mother sees her, like like hanging out the edge, like all woozy and whatnot. And then she somehow gets up and over to her before she takes two steps, even though she was ready to just step off the edge, anyways. Whatever. 
tropes, tropes, <laughs> tropes. Well, I mean, you've got the dark-haired girl, aren't you, that's straight out of a J-horror, for, for starters, as your main protagonist, you know. And, oh, there's so many things you get wrong with it. <laughs> we, we could do a long list of uh, bullet points so it's hitting, you know, but then you've got a game a game that's to film and you can actually see it in the way the film's structured as well because each scene seems like you're doing another level. You know what I mean? It seems yep. like, all oh, right, we've just evaded the cockroaches, we've slammed the door, that's it, end of level seven or whatever it would be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think in the layout, in the in, what, in the school, isn't it, they actually refer to it as levels, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Like, there's like in a fact, lift system. Yeah. In yep. fact, when she's doing the um, labyrinth later on, um, one of the helpers actually does call one of the um, da- uh, sub-basement levels uh, a level. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, how blatant do you need to be? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that's the blessing and the curse of the of the source material in that it, it does a, it seems to do a really good job, I think, of visualising the kind of the monsters and the tone and the mood of, of Silent Hill but yeah. I guess you're right it's uh, it's slavish to that in the sense of it's trying to continue that kind of narrative strand but also make choices that I guess is fan service in a way it's difficult because having mm. not played the games myself I don't know how far it leans into that but I, I genuinely got a feeling that they had they had done a good job in kind of visualising the kind of baddies from the games I mean they were yeah. quite creative in design I mean it felt at, at, at its best which I think is where it just totally does away with narrative I think it's a real brilliant mood piece in moments where you haven't got any dialogue it's literally just the visuals and the sound design playing out it really felt to me like a, a, a decent stab at a kind of Nightmare on Elm Street Hellraiser type mm. You know, in terms of its kind of mood and atmosphere when it was working but I, I don't disagree with Andy and, and the rest that obviously it has got well it has got story problems I mean it's it so recognises that and the fact that it it dumps so much exposition late on in the film <laughs> to try and you know clue you into what is going on and I, I could have done without any of that I didn't need to know what was going on I just wanted to spend more time with that strange um, alternation with the siren you know between the snowy yeah, ash and clouds sound. and then to, to the to the darkness I wouldn't have needed to know any rationality of why that happened or why those people were there I would have just quite happily just saw sat down and watched two hours of that like just a complete generic experience you know Mm. yeah it may sound like it but I don't hate this movie like I saw it (laughs) I I bought the second one on a blind buy like when it came out on blu-ray because I was like oh I didn't hate Silent Hill 1 kind of like scary movies we'll give this one a go I, that I, tr- I truly regret, but like, <laughs> it's like you were saying, it's not a terrible movie, but it's nope. also not a great movie. It's entertaining, though. I enjoyed it for what it was. I think it works as a great mood piece, doesn't it? Um, it's weird because the probably the strongest section of the film is the middle section, which is practically word-free. You know, when yep. you when she's actually going through the school and stuff, there's not a great deal actually said. And yep. it's only when um, Sean Bean jump, jumps back in and decides to go and raid the archive that it all starts getting a bit exposition heavy again. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it is a solid start. The visual, her driving, you see a red truck twice. Um, she drove, stops up at a petrol station, gets to Silent Hill. All that visual, and actually going up to Silent Hill, visual of the over the camera overlooking the valley yeah 
Yeah. That's really good. And then when we get to San, it's all evocative about the game. It does remind you of the game, because and the town, and that's great. But you sort of feel because the director is so much in love with the game. He really loved the game. His main focus was on the visual elements. So he gets the visuals right, perfect. You know, he he uses the limitations of a PS1 and p- puts it into um, the movie as a great effect. You know, with the ash coming down. So the got, ash is brilliant. Yeah. Because uh, even if you've got a static shot, you've still got the ash falling down. You know, so even though you've just got a close up on one of the women talking, hmm. um, you've just got this ash drifting across. So you've always got motion going on in this this shot. No matter how quiet it's looking, there's something going on. And it's on. just mm. beautiful contrast, isn't it? Like just the mm. color palette, although it's simplified, you've got you know light and dark, and it's just so evocative on on screen when you see those. Mm. Yeah. You know the transition between the two. Speaking of which, did anybody else notice the color palette on um, Rose's clothes? She starts off in very neutral clothes, but even though she's in the same costume, by the end of the film, she's wearing bright red. <laughs> that's because it's covered in claret I'm assuming no 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 she's not, not covered in claret she goes into the you know in, when she goes into the hospital room um, at the towards the end when she meets Aressa is it I can't remember her name now yes yes and that's where yeah. you get the massive exposition dump yeah uh, exactly when you get to the exposition dump um, her costume is bright red and, and that's because it it's was, pitch, it's really white, isn't it? In that scene, yeah, as well. it yeah. was, yeah, I and mean, yeah, it was pretty grey all the way through. It was just getting dirtier and dirtier, and then suddenly it's red. It's like, hang on, this is like Die Hard when his shirt turns green. <laughs> <laughs> that um, that scene that you're talking about towards the end, where they then do that kind of mock flashback, and. Um, just before that is one of the best scenes in the film, and which is what I would say to anyone why it's worth watching, is where she has to navigate through that corridor of the nurses. I, I don't know what they're called from the games. Like, I don't know whether they're just called dead nurses or whatever, but I thought that was genuinely brilliant. Like, I thought that was a really inspired moment. It doesn't last long enough, but the way that they're kind of made up and the way that the physical kind of performance of those actresses, yeah. um, that was incredible. Like, that was so dancers. good. Yeah. Yeah, that well, that makes sense. I can well, I can yeah, well believe yeah, it. Yeah, there were dancers and, mm. and they were filmed backwards as well, so all the movement looked oh, unnatural. Oh, right, of course. I'm sure they did something <laughs> like that in, in Ring, like when she comes out the TV set. But anyway, yeah, they um, did, yeah. Or when she moves out of the world. But no, I, I thought that personally could stand up as a scene against any contemporary horror film. I thought I thought mm. that was so good. Got some good tension. And they just totally ruined that in the sequel, but well, <laughs> I'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> No more mentions of a sequel. <laughs> Don't sour up this one. We're loving this one. Don't you think Rose comes as absolutely psychotic? <laughs> you know, yeah. she, 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 she charges off with a daughter. Yeah. Don't tell the. Don't tell Sean Bean what she's doing apart from Chris. a quick phone call. Chris. <laughs> oh, call him Bean. Come on, Sean. <laughs> uh, you know. Then, you know, she stops at a petrol station. Then. You know, gets rid of the police officer. She does. She attacks almost like the police officer, and then she crashes through a gate, and that's when she has the accident, avoiding the spirit of a lesser. Um, and then that she starts shouting, Sharon. That's when it all begins. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, she's already said Sharon a number of times before yeah. <laughs> But this is where it really starts. It's when she's just this. Is essentially, her character from now on is running <laughs> and shouting. 
That's all yeah, she she's, does. She's speedballing, basically. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but it's just like, it's psychotic. What, you just wouldn't do it. And this is it. Sometimes, yeah, you can accept the sense of um, Silent Hill, that it's gone into another dimension. You've got this, uh, you know, these, it's a lesser and Sharon are the same, and, the, and Sharon's the good part of a lesser. But the idea that this woman is goes totally off the rails sometimes, you just think it really wouldn't happen like that. Yeah, not the ideal candidate for a foster mother. <laughs> but the thing is, the film doesn't really exist. It's not the register of the performances aren't naturalistic. This is not a, a realistic drama. It's all on that kind of heightened. <laughs> Uh, plane from the off like you're saying and it, it, I think it does go if you I suppose you've got to have a tolerance for that kind of level of performance because of course um, the Christabella character is kind of mining who's the um, the the kind of religious celibate from Carrie you know the the mother of Carrie in that oh. film is it Piper Laurie that plays it yeah, so, yes you know it's mm. she's kind of like almost lampooning that up to another level and it's like (laughs) almost shrieking at the end so you've got you've got these two mother figures shrieking over this this girl (laughs) now coming back to her parenting skills why the fuck is she talking to sharon like sharon is four year old i mean (laughs) i've I've worked it out i thought she looks around 11 and then checked on the actual actress's name and she was 11 (laughs) it's like and yet she's talking to her like she's some four-year-old. Is she in some sort of permanent arrested development or something? Mm. I don't know. It's just bizarre the way they talk to her. Um, mm. Did anybody else pick up on that? I think it's more symptomatic of the fact that the characters don't really get any chance to dramatically emote anything. Like it's The only <laughs> time they talk is for exposition or to get from one scene to another. Because that's just, like I think Andy's alluded to, that's clearly either not Gansey's skill set or it's not his priority because the whole beginning that we've talked about they wrap it up in 12 minutes you know they are inside <laughs> yeah. the hill within yeah. 15 minutes of the film and then that's where the bulk of it plays out apart from of course what feels almost like an extended coda just because they had to fill in all the gaps and then they bring in the idea of um Alyssa's you know the Deborah Unger character and how she was kind of like I don't know duped by this fanatic cult into you know, letting them burn her daughter alive. And then like Andy was saying, like somehow she gives birth. I couldn't quite figure it out. So is she, was she kind of like raped and actually did have a child? Or is it kind of like she's metaphysically given birth to this other person as meant to be the positive side of her? I, could, I mean, some. I, to be honest, I didn't care about the details. Yeah. When I just wanted more horror imagery because that's what was so good she, about the film. I think she explained it as she placed the good part of her in the um, newborn child and then the child was left at an orphanage yes. nine years ago yeah. in the film. But in the original, so in this film, they also have a, a clear allusion to the fact that this girl um, was kind of like bullied and ostracised and raped by mm. the school janitor or something. So yeah. there seemed to be a yeah. lot Colin. more dark, darker tone even just mm. thematically to this film, whereas in the sequel, they kind of seem to wash that away as if it's some just kind of metaphysical <laughs> thing that she just end up having splitting herself into two. Um, but I don't know. What did you think about that whole thing at the end? The whole kind of like flashback? I, I, I thought actually it was quite visually unimpressive considering how well they'd done some of the visuals of the, the, uh, the rest of the film. I know they tried to kind of date it and clearly 
code it as a flashback but in some respects when i saw that really pretty blonde nurse i thought i was watching a totally different type of film Mm. (laughs) (laughs) by 2006 the look was looking a bit tedious because the whole grungy film stock look had already been used in rock videos since 1993 with the likes of Marilyn Manson and stuff like that so it was well and truly tired and well past its sell-by date so the the fact that they've done all these flashbacks in that old-timey look just is well out of place especially when you've had such really good visuals up until then you know there's some real nice slick pieces it just seems like a bit of a tired fallback but again it's just hitting another trope isn't it yeah i mean they should have just done it in black and white and it would have been more effective but no sepia let's go for it full <laughs> let's have an all-time piano playing as well <laughs> <laughs> you know when the police officer finally gets to um to rose she captures mm. it doesn't she so she handcuffs rose and starts taking her back it's Ash is falling everywhere. It's night time and she's still wearing the sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but she looks cool. Yeah, but she looks hot. Yeah. Hot cop. Hot, hot cop. Yeah. I, I just have referred to my notes as, um, what is it, leather cop, I think? <laughs> just leather cop. But I yeah, know and then she ditches the leather jacket, which is yeah, a pointless Yeah, but she's still wearing the leather move. pants, so it's okay. Yeah, that's so, okay. <laughs> but since she says something to Rose, I was like... Did I just hear that right? I had to rewind it. She mentioned something about 90% of, wo- 90% of women that take children take them to deserted towns. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. She said because... something about throwing a kid down a well as well, didn't she? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because she's got to be then coded as like this positive mother figure that she... Because yeah. that's what it is. It's about, oh, um, Rose is signified as good and so is the cop because they'll go to any lengths to sacrifice themselves for their children whereas obviously the bad evil mother in the film is the cult leader and she will she will sacrifice the children for herself you know it's like it's quite heavy-handed some of the kind of symbolism but i, I kind of get what they're trying to do and like i say i think it would have worked better just with a complete all-female cast mm, definitely yeah i agree with that you know when um the first meet up doesn't anybody get a bit confused as to why the hot cop's able to catch her up and yet nobody else can yeah, yeah, you mean like is into this... the realm? I couldn't quite yeah, figure yeah. out how the boundaries worked of when that yeah, was like Yeah, because she entered ex- not. Uh, not exactly the same time at all. You know, she entered quite a while after, you know, and she'd already been around the town practically by then. But I did like the fact that when she does handcuff her, you meet your first creature, which is an armless creature. Oh, yes. And, uh, and it's basically mirroring exactly what Rose is looking like at the moment at the other side of the screen. Hmm. You know what I mean? She's... Uh, She's got exactly the same um, trouble. Posture, yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Oh, and then isn't there? Um, isn't it soon after that you get the? Are they like ashen, sort of monstrous kids or something? Is that yes, the babies are a little bit. Yeah, no, I thought again, again, I thought they were really eerie and creepy, and I think it's a lot to do with the sound design, not just the visuals. You've got a really quite varied score. Um, I mm. think we were saying, obviously, it uses heavily pieces of music from the original games but it's also got like really quiet um it's got like a piano instrumental piece isn't it i don't know whether that's the one yeah. from the game but there's also like more sort of dirty electronic cues and I, I thought it really worked there was like a pulsating heartbeat i think that scored one of the scenes with those ashen children mm. and that i thought that really worked well to like build the tension up the Ashen Children, I thought, worked quite well because he kept them just enough out of shot. You know what I mean? It's a bit like a Jaws thing. You just see enough, 
you don't see completely you know blatantly center frame or anything like that and it's pretty much quick shots and you're on, around the periphery you know and uh, it works a lot better for that and really helps build the suspense mm. as, yeah, as well they, as they like, have a crazy that sound howling doesn't it like they end up like, having don't they sort of like scream don't they at the end yeah. where they're kind of approaching it yeah no that again it, it's rare for horror films nowadays so I watch so many of them to have leave any kind of impact or impression and whereas I'm, I'm not trying to argue in defense of the film's narrative I do think some of its imagery stays with you you know it's, yeah. it leaves a bigger it's, it's got more of potency than a lot of its contemporaries and, and this is like you could say in spite of the fact that it's based on a video game but clearly actually that is where the strength comes from because it's, it's realizing what must have been very effective imagery from the games yeah, I mean, when we've meet, we meet the enemy on the road, we also meet the enemy in the toilet. You know, when um, Rose takes the paper out of her mouth. You know, for oh, that was Colin all twisted up. Yeah, that's the yeah. rapist. Yeah, got yeah. it. Because isn't it meant to be? That's it. This is what I didn't understand: is that the, the the manifestations of these monsters? I couldn't quite work out whether they were meant to be tied to a particular person or not. Like, were they? It's only once they kind of explain it that it's all meant to be originating from her mind. Is that right? So they're yeah. all meant to be yeah. manifestations of Alyssa's yeah. hatred or whatever. Yeah, yeah. got ya. Okay, because again, when I was watching, I, I wasn't sure whether it was. It depended who went into Silent Hill, had an effect on who it is that they would see, like in a monstrous way. Do you get what I'm saying? Like it could mm. be a, a multiple hell depending on the individual. But again, I was kind of soon. <laughs> didn't worry about trying to keep up with any logic to any of it. <laughs> I think you would have tied yourself in knots if you did. <laughs> yeah, that whole call-in sequence made no sense because she's running around the school trying to find a thing. She finds a flashlight at some point and she's walking around with it on. And then she sees the coal miner people, like, going around. Instead of shutting off the light, she just puts her hand partially over it to block the view. So it's like, just, just shut it off. That's how they're not going to see your light. So she runs into the bathroom. That's when she finds Colin when they're trying to kick the door down. And somehow, with their kicking and sm- and hitting with pipes, they didn't break the door down that was rotted and whatnot. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Colin wakes up when everything goes to hell, literally. And I don't know. I think the moral, like the whole moral of this whole like hell and school thing, is school is hell. So just don't go to school because it stinks there. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. This was for adults only, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I thought like the cool bit with the miners was a very little canary. So the canary senses just before the siren goes off, it can yeah. sense the um, change. So I'm not sort of, you know, like reference to back when the miners, you know, used to take the canaries down and used to see the gas, the build up yeah. if a canary That's a died. Good touch. The, no, no, um, they didn't die, they just fell, fell asleep. Yeah, fell asleep. Honestly, they didn't. <laughs> They, the the gas would knock them mm. knock them out, so the the miners knew then. Mm. But so as soon as otherwise, they'd just be running through canaries every week. Yeah, but it, but it was that reference, wasn't it? It was that reference as danger. Yeah, yeah, which is a great touch. Yeah, yeah, they really hammer that um, the whole kind of uh, conspiracy about the fact that there's a fire burning underground and it's still burning now, and it's all about you don't you know, see the, it. the coal miner. Well, no, but it's all isn't it all just like a, it's all ultimately a cover story in the fact that. There was never like an explosion in the mines. It mm. was the fact that they burnt this girl, and that's why the kind yeah. of I don't know the fire raised in her soul forever after, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, don't go there. There's nutters. <laughs> but in like the the town really has that because I know there's a town in Pennsylvania that there's still a coal fire burning now underground. 
there. Oh, right, like sorry, a, so it's actually quite yes. present. Yes, I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, obviously in the kind of diegesis of this film, they're, they're kind of saying that's what's going on because it's obviously hiding the fact of um, what they actually did to this girl, you know, and ultimately that's why they're all kind of like damned, aren't they? Because they're kind of all trapped in her mind. Yeah, they're trapped in her hell, yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Because then, um, while she's still running through the school right there, that's when Pyramid Head shows up after she had escaped from yeah. Leather Cop. And I just love when he's standing, like he's stabbing into the room trying to get them with his big giant sword. And Leather Cop has sword, the most yeah. obvious line ever of duck. Really? <laughs> I, I, you know what? No, I think it'll just miss me, right? I don't have to move at all. <laughs> Absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah, so I, I take it he's like the big poster boy then for Silent Hill. Yeah. He like the um, yeah. I don't know what you the Freddy Krueger or the kind of the Jason of the, the well, franchise. You say that we didn't go until the second one, did it? Yeah, it's in, don't come until the second one. That's when he comes. In. Second game. I, I I think it's a bit of a mixed bag how he's actually used, and he, again, like a lot of the primary characters he isn't really ever given I'm not saying we have to have his backstory but I, I don't think he's completely well utilised in the film he's just oh, been no. like a menacing Hulk although there is that horrible scene where he kind of strips that um, yeah, one of the kind know. of female yes. yeah he kind of one of yes. the female disciples he strips her naked first and then yeah like with physically just like grabs hold of her skin and rips that off but I mean that in some respects that although it's hard to watch that's what I actually liked about this film that it, it didn't pull those punches that it kind of did go to to the kind of it, it goes over you know good taste I guess and that, again <laughs> that ties into the performances they don't just they, they're not scared com- to completely go OTT when they need to um, it's probably the worst effect in the film though when you actually see when you see Anna getting her skin ripped off it's like oh my god it just looks like a crayon drawing of her <laughs> see I watched it streaming on my iPad and then from my iPad to my Apple TV so the quality already wasn't the best for me so I, like if I had been seeing it on Blu-ray I'm sure it would have been a little bit um, cleaner and crisper obviously but yeah, it was still pretty bad. You can see that, even though it was like poor quality. <laughs> that even if it was high high def quality, it's still not that great. Yeah, some movies <laughs> work better when you can see them on seventh generation VHS. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you're talking about is it? I'm just looking. It's a 15. This is a 15. So it really, does, yeah. I'm amazed what they pass as 15 nowadays. There's no drug taking. Yeah, mm. yeah. Of course, there's no drug taking. That's the one thing they're hot so, on, and there's no headbutting. That's it. <laughs> so this is a 15, so it does push the envelope, you know, really far. And yeah. Pyramid Head himself, visually, really impressive, you know. Yeah. And how he drags his sword and how he walks. Uh, the cockroaches, as you know, were a bit, uh, not too sure about yeah. that. Mm. But the whole thing, and then when it, the bell goes again, he, he, he leaves conveniently just before he's about to get them, you know. Um, and then you sort of get that mixed match, don't you? Because here, um, Chris, or Bean, Sean Bean, has managed to get <laughs> into the town and he senses Rose going past, you know, with a Yeah, he says he can smell a perfume, doesn't he? Yeah, when he's in the yeah. school. Yeah. yeah, I just thought all that was really, like, it was so clumsy. I mean, I think this is 
the film is like we've said is like a real mixed bag and you, you can't I just thought all of that was really poorly done anything with Sean Bean's character is just it just killed the film for me like the momentum that it's been building <laughs> yeah. up no it does though because um, you're pretty much invested in her journey through it and then you're dragged out of it again just to watch some mumbling bloke walking mm. around the corridor going Sharon Sharon they, do is they, they just spew Exposition. That's all. Yes. That's the only factory purpose. <laughs> well, this is it. There's no explanation how a cop gets his scars, how he knows, because he knows something's on with the town. Well, I think he he gets them rescuing her because I think yeah, they're showing the very very end. He, he does yeah, rescue her. He, from he the finally fire. exposes that at the end. Oh uh, yes, because <laughs> he's the one that took the when she was burnt. He took the manacles off her hands or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like as I say, by that point, no one cares. Like because you don't think you give up. <laughs> well, I, I just think they should have gone whole hog insert saying right, we are going to make this film all about the visuals and sound and we aren't even going to pretend to care about giving it like a a coherent narrative like I I would have much rather that or try not to be so slavish to the source material and and take Mm. some of that imagery but then actually fashion a completely different story like it still could have been Silent Hill and set in that location but you could have just come up with completely different characters or and a different kind of explanation i mean i'm not i can imagine actually the backlash from the fans would be massive but you know <laughs> mm. ultimately they've had two stabs at this now and yeah. really it's only the first one in, in parts that's really excelled because even the second one that's attempting to i believe recreate a narrative very closely to the games it just fucking fails <laughs> completely when you think about at that point when we're with rose and everything and then rose meets anna who carries a knife in self-defense? I mean, it's not going to do I much. Like yeah, yeah. She just takes it. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'll take that off you. It's like, what? what uh, fuck? All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be like, I'd be like, um, no, I'll have it back. I want my knife back. I'm not having you. Like, yeah, you but have... how are you going to argue with her? She's a psycho and she's got your knife. That's it. But I'm a psycho as well. And I want my knife back. <laughs> but then you got, you know, like the um, what's she called? The mother of Alessa. Debranga, that's all I Debra, know. Yeah. Oh, oh no, da- no, da- Dahlia, isn't uh, it? Is, yeah, yeah, Dahlia, yeah, I think yeah. her name. No, no, the crazy. She's the crazy hobo lady. But I thought it was quite powerful because you've got four women there at one point, haven't you? Literally, yeah. three or five. You've got yeah. the coppers, She's still there as well. So you got you got four women together. For hold on, yeah. If it had taken that forward, you would have had probably a more powerful film. You know, four women mm-hmm. together. You know, two of them new to the town, two of them who live in the town and know the dangers. But, I mean, you could take it forward, you could have gone into interesting places, but straight away, you know, the bell goes, Anna gets her skin ripped off by Pyramid Head, you've got the rest of them running into the church, and then all of a sudden, as they're running into the church, this deserted town all of a sudden has got loads of people. Hundreds! <laughs> 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 Where have they been hiding? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think that the religious um, story strand does serve a purpose in the film, but I, I think ultimately they end up sacrificing what could have been more nuanced storytelling for that, because then it becomes just you know they they've committed to that then, and there's actually quite there's not really a great deal of um, compelling like narrative being told after that. It seems to be that they then just go, oh yeah, this this is the cult, and this is what they did. 
and then you know that's it you know rather than it could have been more interesting to get a bit more substance for those characters as survivors and how they kind of might have worked together to kind of get out of it more like what we were saying about what the descent did so well because i yeah. mean that's a very lean horror film but you got an awful and um, good sense of characterization through the interaction between the women as they were trying to survive and escape the kind of under you know the what do they call it? What are they like? Kind of that subterranean. Tacums, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, the um, whole thing with the church thing, you know, it's just crazy because these these people just turn up and apparently it's this crazy religious cult that are just taking over Silent Hill <laughs> and hiding all the time. But you've got no background to them whatsoever. You don't know how long they've been there. You don't know how long this cult's existed. Um, and... They allude to it being a very, very old cult, and yet nobody's ever heard of them. How the hell does that work? Because let's face it, we even know about Scientologists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're all just completely dwarfed by the the leader's performance. Which I mean, I enjoyed that performance, but you don't get. You, I don't think you ever really identify with any of these people as characters, and I think that's the big flaw of so many horror films that it's so hard to actually. Mm populate and with uh, relatable or at least interesting characters that you care about I mean I didn't really care about any of them <laughs> no <laughs> you don't and that's and like I say it's a fault of the f- script itself you know instead of you know that opening 12 minutes where you see Rose psychotic doing this and doing that I mean ringing around and not really caring about the surroundings, you know. I tell you what, even if I'm looking for my kid, and all of a sudden the world turns shit, I'd be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you know. I understand you've got to you sort of have that as you watch it as a viewer, you think, "All right, I accept that that's going to happen with the turning." But mm. come on, a, per- a person's reaction is going to be, uh, "Where the fuck? get the fuck out?" Yeah, where the fuck am I? What's happened to the world? You know, suspension of disbelief, Andy. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, I can suspend my disbelief, but there's got to be some sort of, rea- of human reaction. You know, some sort of yeah. logical reaction to things going on, and that's what you get sometimes from other horror films, where you get that logical reaction for what the fuck's going on. You know, but it's that disbelief, and you don't get that from Rose until what. A good hour into the film, yeah. so you've gone from a chase film where she's chasing after a daughter, looking around for it, to like a mystery film. So she yeah. starts going, "I need to find out what's going on." Why? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I think they, they, there was an opportunity for them to explore that with the um, Sybil character, like the the sexy cop and her. But I think <laughs> they, I think they do have some kind of acknowledgement of what's happened, but all too soon it's kind of. Um, put to the background because of obviously the next sort of horror action set piece but then also mm. doesn't Sybil just like disappear from the film for ages to yes. then come back and save the day yeah she gets beaten up yeah. by the miners don't she when they go into the church you know they're all like trying to fight them or whatever and she shoots her gun into the air which I still don't understand why she'd fire one of her precious bullets but whatever because <laughs> um, then that's where they decide okay you know they gotta go to the boss level if you will and yeah, yep. they'll take they'll take them there. And when she gets in there, something happens, and uh, Leatherpants is fighting everybody off. And then she points the gun at Christabella and pulls the trigger. But of course, she's out of bullets because why wouldn't she be? <laughs> and then she gets then she gets beat up, and it's like, oh well, she's all dead now. And then they show yeah. her later on after the whole That's right. 
nurses, like, because that's when she's running, when she has the things memorized, and that's when she comes to the hallway yeah. of the nurses and sneaks through there and gets the whole origin story told as to, oh, this is what happens. Congratulations, Rose. You're here. You did it. Your reward is the truth. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, he just went for a little trophy sound to blip up. <laughs> but you know what you're talking about when, when, she's, when she gets beaten up and she, we think she's dead? But that, that sound, what, as film watchers, that crack, she's getting beat by metal pipes. Mm. And then... Yeah. I was holding the metal pipe the other day and I was putting some flat packs together, you know, the hangers. And I was like going, mm. yeah, this is quite hefty. If I was to hit somebody with this, it's going to cause quite a lot of damage. And that sound is, she's dead. And for oh, me, yeah, that's, <laughs> what, I, that's <laughs> what I have in my notes. Like, yeah. oh, well, yep. uh, where did she's I gone. There? She's gone. Yeah. Andy, I'm never going to IKEA with you. <laughs> made no sense. No, done. But she's only brought back for... As a device, basically. Yeah, just to be toasted. Well, just bring it back and yeah. we'll just set her on fire yeah. and that's it. It's like, <laughs> oh, well, they didn't set her on fire. They just toasted her like a marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah. yeah, they're all like, oh, burn the witch, burn the witch. Yeah, because that's what sparked off this whole nonsense to begin with. So let's do exactly what we've already done in the past. <laughs> that's why you're kind of in this living hell thing. That whole kind of convoluted <laughs> that they're all kind of like witch hunters and just a cult. Yeah, it's, it is a shame. You'd have thought they might have come up with something a little bit more original you know to pin that i guess it all on but like we said at, at that point i think they just felt they had to i don't know it's almost as if they felt they had to try and explain the scenes that had foreshadowed it whereas it's because the dialogue isn't up to the task i mean I, we were saying <laughs> earlier about their reaction to when they first are you know when they first discover what is going on with this kind of dual world i think um Sybil and Rose turn to each other and they say oh they said this place used to be haunted and then they just say yeah I think they were right I mean it's just so poorly written <laughs> it, isn't, like, it is so clunky and uh, yeah. and it doesn't help that some of their performances and delivery is really wooden as well yeah all I could think of yeah. with any of the burn the witch thing was Monty Python the Holy Grail with the burner <laughs> yeah. burner because that's exactly burner. what these people were like <laughs> <laughs> well that's it. it it seems like that was their answer to everything it must be a witch. Burn it. Yeah, just burn it. <laughs> Bizarrely, right, uh, going back to the burning of Sybil, um, you see her burning and then you see her charred corpse um, on a stick later on, smoking away. But did anyone notice there's no fire anywhere? They'd built a massive bonfire and it had just dissipated like that. <laughs> Where the hell did it go? <laughs> I've seen a massive bonfire. It takes days for it to go. <laughs> Yep. Can't just get rid um, of it. But yeah, the, the 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 origin story part when uh, it's pretty, I'm pretty sure when she gets to the boss level, if you will, and Alessa's telling the whole story, like it's all whatever. But the creepy little girl, I hate creepy little kids, but she didn't like a great job with the whole monologue of like telling it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Whether whether it's good or bad, she still did an awesome job with what she had to yes. work with. I mean, she was handed a lemon, and she just did the best that she could do with it, and she did yep. a great job of it. <laughs> yep. So Alessa, like, goes inside of her or whatever, and then yeah. she, she goes back to the church, and she sees Captain Leatherpants all fried up, mm. and, you know, Christabella stabs her in the chest. It's like, oh, yeah. now you've, look what you've done. You spilled all the blood, and, oh, look, now there's all this doom coming your way. Yeah. CGI doom. Yeah, CGI doom. <laughs> so it's not really there. We'll pretend. Just pretend there's some uh, 
Lots of barbed wire sliding up your skirt. Don't worry about it. We'll make it work in post. <laughs> That's an Evil Dead reference there, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of the deaths are nasty. I mean, again, that's... Uh kind of you grow to appreciate some of that <laughs> as a, yeah. a desensitized horror fan um and again obviously a lot of that i felt like it was really kind of clive barker inspired a, a lot of it. i mean but again i don't really know the chronology of all of that whether clive barker was ever kind of um cited as an inspiration for silent hill the game originally but that's exactly what i thought when they showed um what's his face colin like crawling out of the the stall when he reanimated or whatever was the Clive yeah. Barker, not so, I guess, Hellraiser as well, but I never really get into that, but the Tortured Soul figures that they had, the McFarlane's Tortured Soul figures oh, that yeah. you come out with, yeah, that's, what, that's what it made yeah. me think yeah. of, with the way he's like all twisted well, and bent. And One of the things that really got me was that motivations of Alessa. So she doesn't want Sharon to come near to her to Silent Hill, but then she says he should never have come, you know, and gives her loads of exposition, and then um, yeah. she goes, well, since you're here, um, I'll, I'll, hitchhike. I'll, I'll just hitchhike onto you and I'll just take you <laughs> over and it's like for some reason you're like yeah that, that didn't take you long to change you know change. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah I've, I've tried to keep you away for 11 years but in the space of 10 seconds I've just gone fuck it I'll take you over but again with the little girl that played Alessa or whatever like during that whole like death scene when everybody's getting ripped apart by the barbed wire she's just dancing around the church in the blood it was absolutely mm. insane yeah, like with the, cra- like the crazy happy face and it was bizarre <laughs> yeah oh yeah she's yeah. she was far and away the best one of the best bits in this film you know in terms of acting it's quite ironic yeah. isn't it the best actress in it were 11 oh, year God. old <laughs> yep <laughs> wow and she dances with it she's a success in this the rest of it visually I mean, I'm going to grant it. I mean, I'll come to my final thoughts in a bit because we're getting. I think we've got to the end almost. You know. Yeah. Well, don't forget we've got the ending. That's the typical ending where they um, get to the SUV that's actually been trashed, you know, mm. and then suddenly it'll start up again, even though oh, they yeah. tried it earlier on in the film and it didn't start. Um, but I do love the end after the church, um, where Sharon and what have you are still st- stuck in the foggy. Um, their reality hmm. you know they get to uh, home and Chris is laid out on the couch but when they get home it's foggy hmm. and they find out that they can affect objects you, you find out that they are still stuck on their plane because they leave the door open but um, Chris can't see them at all yeah. he can just go and shut the door on him um, so that was quite a lovely ending, you know, and it, it works quite well for well, me. Well, yeah, because the happy ending seemed really ill matched to what had happened before. So I'm, I'm pleased that they at least yeah. Yeah. kind yes. of subverted that, that at the end. Yeah, I hate the Hollywood endings. That would have been, that would have sucked total balls. So I think happy I, ending. Yeah. Yep. But it is a happy ending because Sean Bean actually survives. <laughs> well, well yeah, true. good point. That is And now he's got the house to himself. <laughs> And that's where his story ends. There is no sequel. Just like there's only three Indiana Jones movies, there is no sequel to Silent Hill. Yeah. Smoke him if you got him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's lost into He's lost just He's not bothered about looking for him, is he? In the space of half an hour, he just goes, go home. Oh, okay, then. Yeah, right. okay, then. <laughs> I'll move goes on. Goes home, flies down. <laughs> that's right. It's time for a nap. I've done a lot. Yes. 
I've stopped her credit cards. Right? Stopped yeah. her credit cards. I broke into a build, a re- uh, like an official records building place. Has no yes. alarm, clearly. Found some pictures of what my daughter looks like, and hey, there we go. We moved on. Yeah, had a fight with a nun. That was it. Fine. I've had a busy day. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say? Would it be a thumbs up or a thumbs down? You leave first. Well, I'm going to go for a thumbs up because I can dispense with story. I can put up with you know, not fantastic writing if it gets the atmosphere right. That's what I care about when I watch a horror film because that's what's so fantastic about the genre that you can just go off the leash and get imaginative and creative. And I felt it did have the authentic feel of a nightmare. And that's I love those sorts of films. So, yes, I'm, I'm willing to say that actually for its origin source material, it's the fact that it's based on a video game, it could have been far worse and so many films have been far worse that I would still recommend people at least give it a chance like if they've just completely dismissed it because it's based on a video game I'd say actually go back and give it a chance because it's actually a a decent if not classic modern horror film Mm, yeah go on then Nick what would you say to this I'll agree with Leon I mean it's not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination but if you have like you can get it on Blu-ray or whatever because the effects, for the most part, are are really slick looking. It's got that ambiance yep. of being that you know suspenseful movie. Like I watched it with my girlfriend, and after we watched the second one, she's like, "The first one was way better." I'm like, "I'm not going to disagree with you," but <laughs> I mean, the, the, it being like around Halloween time, if you have the time to watch scary movies, yeah, why not? There's plenty out there, but I'd put I'd, I'd watch it again. Andy, what would you say? Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Visually, it's brilliant. It's unbelievable. You know, in the terms of gets the town right, the horror creations like Pyramid Head, the nurses, the armless um, bad creature, and the little creatures, everything, <laughs> and the sirens, and the whole thing is brilliant. It's top notch. You can see where, where the budget's gone. And that, you know, the script is utter garbage. The <laughs> characters are utter garbage. The young actress is really good. Um, I just feel you can tell he loves it because I watched a bit of some of the extras, and the director really was into the game and into the source material. The problem when I'm thinking about it, when I look at it now, is he looked at the game. And he said, right, I need to include fog. How do I get that? Right, ash. I need to include pyramid head. Right. I need to include the nurses. So what he did is he took all the elements, right, this, this, and this, all what the fans would expect. And then he went, right, how do I make it all stick? And it doesn't stick together. Um, The two hours length, I think, is too long. I do agree that Sean Bean subplot is is not needed. It shouldn't be there. It adds length where mm. it, you know where you could cut it down by a good twenty to half minutes to half an hour. But if you want to see a film that's visually homaging the video game and it does get the atmosphere right, I would say go for it. Skip over the Sean Bean bits, watch it to the end, and you will actually see Sean Bean survive, which is always a bonus. <laughs> so it's it, it's a recommender's rough, a, a rough recommend. <laughs> so we needed some sort of fan cut that 
edits out all the Sean Bean bits. Just have her call him after he she loses yeah. the um when her credit card doesn't work, and then yeah. at the very end when he he walks like she walks into the house and he's sleeping on the couch. That's all we've seen is Sean Bean. We just cut out the middle completely. Yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. That would probably work quite well. Yeah, and that would shave <laughs> off your half hour to forty minutes yeah. of excess time too. Exactly. Yeah. My thoughts. I'd probably follow you guys, I think. Um, It's a recommend for this time of year. I don't think I would actually go out of my way to watch it again, because I've already watched it four times this year now. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's helped watching it that many times, because at least I can make sense of the bloody ending with all that stupid exposition. Um, Fair point. I'm, I'm a big fan of horror films myself, so I will watch Likely, I'll just watch these, and sometimes you do see the most inane things done over and over again. So there's a lot of tropes that are hit, a lot of checklist items that they've got to do. But I think it pulls it off with a certain amount of panache and a bit more style than most films have had for the last 10, 20 years or so. So, yeah, it's a win for me. We did get a community comment on Silent Hill, the 2006 film. Uh, this is from Michael McKenzie. He wanted to join us tonight, but sadly he couldn't get the schedule right. But um, what he's done is he's, he's allowed me to refer to an extract that he actually reviewed the film on its um, stellar audiovisual HD DVD release um, back in February of 2007. So he's put... It would not be too much of a stretch to describe Silent Hill as the best video game to film adaptation so far. Pickings have been woefully slim for this seemingly cursed subgenre, in which adaptations tend to be described not in terms of how good they are, but rather how bad they could have been. And the abominations Ui Bowl and his ilk have destroyed more or less all credibility for this section of the industry. That's not to say that there haven't been any enjoyable offerings, on the contrary, even the worst ones can at least claim to be so bad they're good, but Silent Hill is definitely in a different league, a mature adult and genuinely unsettling horror film that despite some rather cliched and nonsensical plot elements, treats its audience, both fans of the game and newcomers with respect, and works as an engaging movie in its own right rather than a mere brand name. And. Um, we we will stick a link to Michael's full review in the kind of Podbean post for this episode in case you want to read more, just not just about the film, but actually um, his brother David talks about the kind of technical merits of that disc as well. Moving on six years now to the sequel that takes place eight or nine years after the first Silent Hill film. We'll give you a quick outline first. So for many years, 18-year-old Heather Mason, played by Adelaide Clemens, and her father Harry, the returning Sean Bean, have been on the run from dangerous forces she doesn't understand. Um, Heather continues to be plagued by the terrifying nightmares that are fixated upon the town of Silent Hill, and alarmed and frightened by her father's sudden disappearance amidst revelations that the cause of her night terrors are entwined with her own true identity and parentage. Heather recklessly returns to the demonic waking nightmare realm of Silent Hill, where discovering the truth may damn her for eternity. This one, despite making a 
profit on the first one and expect the studio um, reduced the budget by 30 million to 20 million dollars it was filmed in 3d and the audio mixing took place in france it actually grossed 52 million how the hell <laughs> <laughs> because like like it's when I bought it on Blu-ray, it's because I had seen it in the, the, the it was a blind buy on Blu-ray because I saw the first one. It's like, oh, it wasn't too terrible. So that's got to be what it was, is people are like, oh, it wasn't that bad in the theater. Let me see the second one. Yeah, and this was released on Halloween, wasn't it, I think? I vaguely recall this was released on Halloween, so I can imagine, you know, people pissed up. Halloween, go to see cinema. You know, it's a gimmicky 3D movie, possibly. Maybe that's what I... No, I think it's 52 million people buying it and blindly on a $1 deal. <laughs> Metacritic gives it a 15, and it gets a 5% on Rotten oh. Tomatoes. It's even worse than the first one, okay? And it's still made fucking money. <laughs> because it came out... I mean, I was surprised there was a Silent Hill 2, because it came out with little fanfare, little marketing, it just, it just snuck out, and somehow... It made that much money. It's like, wow. Okay. People, a brand will get you money. Well, this is going to get interesting. Have we got anything positive at all to say about this 92-minute horror? It's shorter than the first one. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Andy had a good one. Oh, yeah. Well, basically, it's a revelation. The revelation is you're actually glad the first one exists and it's quite a better film. Yeah, it it, it certainly does go up in your estimation watching them both back to back because I think you can pretty much anything positive that I praised the first film for, you can jettison that for the sequel. (laughs) All it does is amplify the flaws that we've already talked about, about poor acting, terrible script. And, you know, sadly, like we were saying, like this time around, the effects... Are largely awful although kind of like off air nick you were saying that you could kind of imagine if you saw it in 3d that it might have some you know pleasing poke it out of the screen kind of effects but i mean yeah. this is such a step down like you can really tell that it's a cheaper film and and made by a far less gifted filmmaker in my opinion so far less gifted that you'd actually packed in after this he's not done anything else since <laughs> well I haven't seen Solomon Kane but I vaguely remember oh, that getting okay with you oh, that's good I enjoy that are like, oh, you are weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah well somebody else I actually enjoyed it I, went, I got it on Blu-ray the other day for about a quid I actually quite enjoy it is it James Purfoy it's good it, it is yeah actually the image yeah. in Solomon Kane because it reminds me a bit of Warhammer as a witch hunter of course that's yeah, why I quite like it go. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that annoys me the most about the way the movie opens is it opens with that creepy carnival thing, which is, you know, kind of cool, whatever. Oh, but So predictable. Well, yeah, without a doubt, it's predictable. But it's <laughs> like, and it wakes up, it's, oh, it's Sharon. It's like, wait, she's stuck on the upside down. What, they should have had the retcon of, like, his little exposition of how she sent her back and blah. That should have been, like, the opening part of the movie. Yeah. Because when she wakes up, you're like, wait, she's not here why is this a mm. thing? Like, well, it's, they do that horrendously cliche like series of cold opens, like where you you think that you've started the film now because they <gasps> did a bit with yeah. the carnival, but then oh no, she's then at home, but then oh no no, she's still in the nightmare, you know. And yep. I think so one you get to see Sean Bean die. Yeah, I think one of the screen films really did that amusingly, like made like poked fun at that kind of cliche. But no, it's just, it is terrible. Like just as soon as you see that opening, although they're trying to dovetail with the film because you're going to end up there yeah, later the same on. Place, yeah, to prove her little psychic powers and connection. <laughs> yeah, it just looks it looks so so cheap. 
I mean, I, mm-hmm. I'm not adverse to having a horror film set in like a carnival, and I've, you know, there's been other films that have kind of had memorable scenes in that locale, but it's just. I couldn't believe it when they had like um who's the main guy that we were talking about earlier like the main villain in this the kind of figurehead um what do they call him the one who's got like the triangle head is it oh, triangle pyramid head, head. Oh, pyramid, pyramid, pyramid head, head. <laughs> It's got like a triangle, triangle head. head. Um, but they've just got him as like what is he doing he's just like he's he's manning he's, one of the rides it's just it just I just thought what the fuck they've so it's one of those gypsies <laughs> He's just riding the waltzers. The first film waited 45 minutes to re- to introduce him as a character. I mean, here you get him in the first like opening minutes and he's just like robbed of all menace completely. Yeah, I just don't <laughs> understand because like after they, when they do the retcon or whatever and they're like, oh, they're searching for her. It's like, wait, who's searching for her? Like Alessa's barbed wire party at the end of the first movie killed everybody. So everybody. why are they looking for her now? I didn't understand that at all. Yeah, the thing I noted was the fact that Carrion Moss has somehow stepped into the breach, if you like, of there being nobody left to lead the cult. Yeah, her sister, isn't it? All of a sudden. And no cult. And it's like, alright, so... Everybody was dead. There's nobody left. Yes. What, what nobody is Carrion Moss doing in this film? I mean, I could not believe the cast list. Obviously, <laughs> you've got... Obviously, Sean Bean's roped in Kit Harrington from... Um, you know, like Game of Thrones, he plays, mm-hmm. is it Jon Snow? Malcolm McDowell, who obviously has no shame now because of the stuff <laughs> that he does. Oh, God, um, no. And Rada Mitchell and Deborah Unger return. I mean, I can only assume that was a contractual agreement for people like Bean and Mitchell in particular, that they would come back and reprise their roles because there's no way, you know, like, as much as we're saying the first film has got some merit, I can't imagine them queuing up to be in a sequel. And that scene at the beginning where Rada Mitchell's character has to like explain how you know Heather <laughs> yeah. Sharon whatever her name whatever is, she wants has suddenly like been able to get back through I mean but that was painful wasn't it it was yeah. so badly oh acted. the retcon yeah that was terrible the fact that you've got Carrie Ann Moss coming back and setting up a whole new cult after just a short time what is it eight or nine years in the actual timeline something like managed that. to build a whole new cult and nobody's thought well it went really badly for the last lot but i'm sure it'd be fine for us yeah for me when i was watching it and i realized that it was kit harrington because i was half paying attention because it's truly terrible so in my notes <laughs> i have like holy shit is that john snow and then it's all in capital letters holy shit it is john snow <laughs> because he's just ugh. he's awful i mean again they're not given much but they none of them cover themselves in glory at all yep nope <laughs> And then I forget. I don't know. I don't know the actor's name, but the guy that's like creepily hanging outside the school, the PI guy. Oh that yeah. Talks to her when she gets dropped well, off, it's like Stranger yeah. Danger. Martin Donovan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, pretty sure no, that guy's not allowed near schools. Like. <laughs> well, the way he's dressed, he looks the classic kid yeah, fiddler, doesn't he? Exactly. <laughs> crazy. Stranger Danger. Go away, buddy. And, and yes. actually, that scene where I think it ends up culminating in his murder, but there's like a scene where she ends up hiding out in like a, I think it is like a janitor's office or something. <laughs> yep. yeah. There's the word garbage. Garbage. Really <laughs> on the screen, and I thought, yeah, this, is, this totally sums up this film in the first like 15 minutes. Uh, it yep. was such a step down. I, I don't think I was prepared for how much this, uh, how uh, you know, inferior this is to the original like we're saying we were like begrudgingly saying the first film was like 
decent. It, yep. it looks like yes. a fucking masterpiece in comparison yep. to this. <laughs> <laughs> it, it looks positively artful. <laughs> well, it is it, exactly. There was some art <laughs> to the craft where here it's awful. I mean, the only <laughs> thing I think I, I marginally started to enjoy is when they had some more kind of like freaky monster designers. Now, I don't know whether they're from the games or not, but I quite like the. Um, is it the mannequin spider? I mean, it looked terrible yeah, in terms cool. of the effects, but I, th- I like the idea of that. Yes. That was quite creepy yeah. in in premise, but I didn't quite understand why they. And it was so gratuitously included the fact that they had that naked lady and she turned into a porcelain yeah. doll. I mean, we never even introduced to her, and then there was some random other girl just there, just suddenly had got into the Silent Hill realm because. I'm jumping over 45 minutes of the film that it takes to get to Silent Hill. <laughs> You're trying your way. best. <laughs> but the execution of that as well, you think, hang on a minute, this is, what, six years after the first one? Surely the technology is actually more in place now. This is 2012 by then. You know, and um, we've already had some amazing CG, and yet that looks absolutely shocking. And you think, well, <laughs> this looks worse than the first film, which was six oh, years previous. So massively, I mean, you just think <laughs> about the other kind of notable creation that they end up getting to face off against um, oh. uh, Pyramid oh. Head. I mean, oh. that is just like a reject from a Hellraiser <laughs> sequel, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's where I've noted down. <laughs> But when she runs out of the mall after the creepy pedo guy gets his, gets killed in the elevator, she runs right out because, you know, they found his body and whatever. The cops escort her away, like, oh, come over yeah. here. And it's like, what do you mean? She yeah. just left a crime scene. You should be... She left crime scene last. Shouldn't you be talking to her like, hey, why, why are you coming out here now? <laughs> nope, just, just go on your way. Has anybody seen this girl? And they hold up the picture of her. It's like, but you just... Mm. Yeah. Her name's Sharon or Heather. Hmm. No. Yeah. Yeah. But let's face it. The police in here, this are so dumb. I mean, there's one point they actually go over to her flat and bang on the front door and go, "Open up, it's the pigs." But there's nobody <laughs> at the back. There's nobody then, at the back door waiting for her to run out. And <laughs> when they go stupid. in and they see that sign that's written written on blood on the wall, <laughs> yes. honestly. That they, the actors must have been so embarrassed delivering those lines. No wonder they've been shot in darkness. They can't even see their faces. <laughs> but, yeah, they kick in the door. They see the blood. It's like, well, I'd call that probable cause. It's like, no, no, no. Probable cause happens before you kick the door in. If you had seen it through the window, maybe. Nope, you kick in the door. It's like, oh, I have probable cause. There's blood on the wall. No, no, take a step back and be like, how are we going to explain we kicked the door in? <laughs> Tell you what, man. Hold on. I'm going to give him credit. But do get to the mall pretty damn quick. They do get to the mall yes, very quick. True. They get to the mall before they've even before he's yeah he's, he's before he's even dead. <laughs> yeah, because the guy yes. gets wheeled out as she's walking out the same door. It's like, wait, how are they wheeling the guy dead from the elevator out at the same time she ran away? Right? How did they find him so fast? <laughs> <laughs> it's tracker dogs. The weirdest mall ever. Yeah, I mean the malls are pretty big over there, and do know that. And it must have took some navigation to find the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so. When they're driving away or whatever, um, at some point, I know Kit Harrington asks, says, are you okay? Do you want to stop? I think when they're driving someplace. To me, it seems like he said that before in a completely different context. But that's just me. 
Yeah, but it seems like he's a raging boner anyway, because all the way through the film, he's just basically putting up with any old shit she delivers. Yep. Just it's like, no, yeah. I'm definitely still taking you home, hon. Yep. And yep. Just think, it's going to happen. <laughs> but I mean, that is all just so horrible, isn't it? The whole fact that we're suddenly in what is, I, I want to say like, it's the worst example of like that kind of teeny glossy slasher fad that we had because suddenly now we're in like a high school and you know it's about the dysfunctional outsider kids and like then you know they're kind of budding friendship and then oh no Mm. hold on he isn't really who he says he is He's, he was the one sent out to get her all along. He just, but all at this point, I was smacking my head thinking, "This is so bad." <laughs> but the whole speech at the beginning, you know, when she first goes in on a de- first date, oh. well, she's—that's quite cool. I, I actually quite like that because it's quite novel. Because Phil was going, I thought it was quite novel. But she what says, the original thinker's speech. Oh dear, oh dear. She, uh, she didn't just have all sorts of shit thrown at her. <laughs> I know, but I, I should thought, all right, so I've done it a bit different instead of the usual thing of, you know, I want to be friends, which she just says, I ain't going to yeah, know you, I don't give a shit. So actually I'm going to give him a bit of a point for originality there. Um, <laughs> I mean, with Sean Bean's back with his accent. I mean, come Yippee! on. Awful. <laughs> Always a win. You can change it if you don't like it. Heather's fine. I was Sharon, then Mary, then Kathy. Now Heather. You're Christopher, and now you're Harry. Names don't matter. Just stay Yorkshire, and you'll be fine. Well, he had to, um, he had to turn up. Clearly, that must have been the case. He must have signed a contract <laughs> that said if they ever made a sequel, he has to be in it. Otherwise, why on earth would he be slumming it like this? Unless he thought he was going to be the protagonist this time round. But oh no. But they do name him after the first. Game's character now, so he's called Harry Mason. That was it. Yeah, but again, that's a confusing thing. You know, the, every night he's actually on the credits as Chris, and yet he's called Harry all the way through the film. And he's like, "Oh, for God's sake, somebody settle on a name." Yeah, but Heather is Sharon, who's a lesser, who's so on. Yeah, yes. So this is all like whatever she wants to be followed on from that subplot. You're right. I mean, we should probably say that. Yeah. So ultimately, they've been kind of living in hiding on the and land. He's he's been trying to protect her. She's somehow conveniently forgotten all memory of what happened in the first film. So that allows her to kind of like again have to be explained. I mean, that that's the big thing that I think we've been talking about. That it was almost as if this filmmaker felt he had to go through all of the ambiguity of the first film and just get the story explained to us multiple times throughout because there was even like visual references back to where they've kind of used footage from the original film that just completely yeah. highlights how cheap and shit this film is <laughs> yeah <laughs> so angry and but- yeah I, I just you know what I just, it just irritates me so much because like we've already said the story was not was one of the sticking points of the first one mm-hmm. just leave it as it is and do your own thing like the fact that they've had to keep going back to like a problematic element of the first movie only hinders this one I mean because again the dialogue is, is not up to the task of actually conveying the story right well Michael J Bassett actually went down on record as saying he hated the first film so why the fuck was he actually employed as the writer and director of the right. follow up what a dick move that is for a start and, and why why was he so obsessed with referring back to the original if he hated it so yeah, much and, I mean I understand ah, well. he's trying to correct it but he, clearly he doesn't <laughs> I mean he needs to be focusing on what was good about that film because he, he cannot replicate it at all <laughs> no admittedly on a lesser budget his defence was that his vision was truer to the game as well as making numerous changes that fit neither the first movie nor the game series <laughs> <laughs> I mean Jesus Christ so you're trying to be true to the game but you're not actually 
taken any notice of the game or anything else that's come before at all by the looks of it I, I can understand being faithful to the game I understand that's like worthy and honourable but it's got it, you've got to come to a point where you are adapting it to another medium so it, you should <laughs> yeah. have freedom to do what's best for that particular version of the story you're telling I just I just don't understand it I feel like he just was chained to this idea of um, having to correct the plot holes of the first film in obviously his own way and try and be truthful to I think it's like the third film or something but it just isn't interesting I mean I think that's the biggest problem with this film it is so dull and it's just like things are happening but you couldn't care less mm. why like again they're just none of the characters have any uh, kind of like presence whatsoever because I thought Adelaide Clements was awful in this film he actually said on his blog that um, uh, he was looking to openly cast it and he wanted fans to actually suggest a person to um, act as the main protagonist and even though there were loads of votes for everybody else, nobody voted for Adelaide Clements because she'd never been suggested and he just put her in it anyway well, it's not—it's not her fault. The film sunk because everything around it was equally terrible. Oh, yeah, Jesus, there was so much shocking stuff on that. My word, where do you start? It's terrible. <laughs> it is quite laughable and it's quite enjoyable that you've got a film where you've got to give him props. He's able to somehow hoodwink a whole studio into uh, giving him twenty million quid to actually yeah, go off and, and do a film. And, and some admittedly ageing but like recognisable cast. I mean Ooh. I know obviously yeah. like Carrie Ann Moss is not in it a lot, but I just couldn't believe what she was saying. <laughs> like just her performance and then she oh. suddenly changes into like that creature at the end and then you have the big kind of like confrontation. It, oh it was it was so embarrassing. Look around you. This was our sanctuary. A last safe place from the darkness and now even here has fallen to her evil but we praise the god that you are here finally the motel scene where they tried to get all clever with the uh, the lights flickering in and out where then <laughs> it's a, it's a, it was an inn or whatever so it had sin because the way it crossed yeah. super oh, clever, on clever. That. oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> just like they were super clever with the use of clowns and yep. uh, fairgrounds and little J horror style girls. Yeah, yeah never seen and, that one before. And no, like we, I was praising the first one about <laughs> how it felt authentically like a dream or like a nightmare. Whereas in this, they try and weave in what I assume they thought was really clever that they, you know, like in her bedroom, she's got like a toy rabbit or something. They constantly yeah. refer to that. They constantly oh, have that in the everywhere. background. And they're like, oh, yes. yeah, but we're being really clever because we're mixing reality and fantasy. And we're, we're so clever, we're going to have Kit Harrington and Adelaide Clemens talk about the fact there's no <laughs> difference between reality and fantasy on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> but you get, I mean, Kit Harrington, his character is so astute. Vincent. So on the ball. Yeah, Vincent. It does predict, it does go, they've taken your dad, so they, you have to follow them. No, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> You know, it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a shitty script that it has to stay the obvious all the time. I mean, I don't understand. So the creatures that are lesser created to kill the townspeople who've suddenly multiplied for some reason, then have <laughs> the townspeople have taken control of the creatures to get yeah, Sharon. Right, there's that whole weird thing about now that they've got this kind of like, um, this, what is it? It's like a... a, a 
it's token or like a symbol or something that's been split into, yeah, and, the, and they call yeah. it the Megatron Amulet. or something. I, yeah, I swear they were seeing the they were saying the seal of Megatron. <laughs> oh, Megatron. I think that's a I'll different what, film series, you know. I think Megatron in it would have been a lot better. <laughs> I 100 percent agree. Yeah, but that's right. And then like that reveals the truth of things, and then ultimately, yeah, you get that whole awful excruciating scene with Malcolm McDowell and then, oh. you know, how he how he kind of like holds the other part of the amulet and then transforms and you're right then Carrie Ann Moss transforms later on I mean it's just terrible yeah. I, I, it's, it's, I'm, I'm searching because normally I'm not trying to be wholly negative about a film and I suppose yes it <laughs> no, passed the time for 90 minutes but it is awful isn't it I mean <laughs> I think I kept thinking it was it was going to have something because I've, I enjoyed the first one so much, but it just completely sours that, doesn't it? It completely yeah, just, shits all over the legacy yeah, of that film. That's exactly what I was going to say. It takes everything <laughs> you love about the first one. He's like, oh, you like this here? Let me pop a squat on it for you. <laughs> Terrible. When you were talking about Malcolm McDowell, it's like, yeah, there's this creepy blind guy chained up in an asylum. Let's just give him the one thing I have that's keeping me safe or whatever, the seal. Oh, that backfired. <laughs> you should see my shocked face. Like, it's so bad. <laughs> So bad. And when Carrie Ann Moss turns into that monster at the end, I'm like, she's got buttholes for eyes because that's like the way they made her face like without the eyes. It's creepy and weird. Yeah. Did not appreciate that at all. And that, yeah, she kind of attacks the private eye earlier in the film. So like you're saying, they, they've somehow now got the power to bring the darkness or into the yep. kind of like naturalistic world. It doesn't, that, I don't think is that yeah, addressed. Yeah, Vincent actually addresses this and says that he's able to cross over because he's had a massive physical... Oh, God, yeah, they've 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 burnt him or something. Yeah, they've cut some kind of tattoo into him. They had to him, cut, yeah. but apparently they can only come over for a certain amount of time. And you think, well... Uh, if that's the case, how long have you actually been at that school waiting for her to appear? And how do you know she'd appear at that fucking school? Magic. <laughs> well, they hired the private eye, didn't they? And he told them where she was. Jesus, he's good. He's able to tell them where she's going before she even knows where she's going. I'll tell you what, that school admin system's pretty fast as well. That application was <laughs> gone in the day before and is in the next day. It's like, bloody hell, never used it. Yeah, fantastic. I know. see it work. This is how it is. It's the land of opportunity. Do you remember the nurses? We talked about, Lee talked about how great the nurses were in the last film and I do agree with it. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've noted it down and the scene with the, the, the nurses, I says, but scene where the actors can't hold their pose. All <laughs> Not at all. Wobbly, wobbly, wobbly. At the end of it, they're all they're meant to be stud still because it's all dark and everything. And about three of them are like moving, and you're like, you know. Well, <laughs> that's that's the thing as well. In the first one, they're actually activated by light. Mm. You know, the the whole thing is that um, Rose actually throws down a torch and leaves it behind so that the nurses attack the torch. In this, suddenly they're sound activated. They're sat in a fucking well lit room. And she's just going up to the Vincent on the trolley and just going, where's my dad? You know, you think, <laughs> well, hang on. <laughs> See, it's like the way they retconned it in, um, in Jurassic Park versus Lost World or whatever. It's like saying the T-Rex vision is based on movement. Like, no, 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 that'd be dumb. We can't do that. So now they're based yeah. on sound. Yeah, that's it. It would cost us way too much. It's such a shame because, like, um, it's even. I think there probably was a good scene to be had there, but it's just so badly directed. Like all of the <laughs> sort of horror scenes in this film are. 
it's such a great concept here. Let me let me screw it up somehow. Yeah, that's it. I mean, the first the first scene with the nurses in the first film is fantastic, and it's so really good. good suspense. In this, it's just goddamn awful. They're not even filmed backwards on this one. They're, they've got no natural, you know, weird look to them at all. Mm-hmm. It's just stupid. <laughs> but again, once Vincent has told her where her dad is, why does she bother getting him out? Because she he's actually the one that's responsible for taking her there in the first place so clearly i would just leave him there to get baits by the nurses and get the shit out of dodge (laughs) well again it's like the fact that they don't develop their characters enough for you to ever buy into the fact that they might have some kind of either budding romance because that's obviously what they've thrown in for or or at least some kind of mutual i don't know survivor (laughs) instinct it just you know none of that is in there at all yeah and when when they escape she he's she basically saves him to throw him away later because when kid harrington's like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna distract the guys when they get back to the um the cleverly foreshadowed um carnival yeah (laughs) kid harrington gets up and runs away and like they all see him and go after him and then she yells vincent no it's like well, didn't you hear her just yell that? You were looking in the same direction when she was where she yeah. was ducked down. It's like it makes literally zero sense. I'll tell you what, though. I don't. What, I mean, the brethren. You know, this is the super elite of the oh cult, is it? So the super elite of the cult, <laughs> right? They wear these masks, and because they really don't want to breathe the air of Silent Hill, which is fair enough. You know, who wants to breathe ashen all the time? It's been, it's but, been on fire for thirty years. Well, this is it, but. You've already seen for about best part of half an hour of a film where they're in Silent Hill and nothing's happened to him. But one of these brethren takes a mask off and all of a sudden he's spouting bile and choking yeah. on it. And you're like, what the fuck? What caused that? You know, Sharon's breathing fine. Vin- oh, Vincent's breathing fine. They don't seem to just choking on bile. And you're just like, what the f- why the fuck have you Really bad asthma. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And again, like sadly in this one, they've, I don't know, any kind of menace that the young girl, you know, Alyssa had is just not present in this because like she's just like a emo kind of like slash, yeah, yeah, like you're saying again, taken out of J-horror, but it's just awful and the way they've augmented her voice. Like oh, I love, the, I love the line where she goes, go to hell. And then she comes back, can't you see? We're already here. Oh, my word. <laughs> and the big confrontation at the end is that they're going to just cuddle each other. <laughs> ah, lovey, lovey, lovey. The moral of the story is hug it out. Um, yes. <laughs> but it just makes no sense because it's like, oh, Alessa's so angry and like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, she got her revenge already. She already killed them all. So... <laughs> yeah, so what's she pissed off at? <laughs> made no sense. Like, she came up, like, in the end of the first movie, all burned in her little hospital bed or whatever, and then attacked the whole church with um, the barbed wire, and those were the people that burned her to death to begin with. So who, where did, how, how was she angry at this other group of people if she already killed all the people she was mad at? <laughs> <sighs> This is the west side of South Silent Hill. You know, the west, west side. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. That must be what it is. Isn't it about they want to, I don't know, raise their new god so that he can, like, destroy Alessa or something and she can only be destroyed if, if like, Heather's recombined with her. I mean, again, all of that is utter nonsense, but you, I suppose you could forgive it if you were getting some decent horror set pieces, but you don't get any of them either. So there's like literally no redeeming feature in this film at all. It's to me just just thinking on it now. It's almost like when they take a move like the first movie is an R-rated movie 
um, where it's, you know, got whatever it does. And then when they make a sequel, they make it only PG-13 or, like, give it yeah. a lower rating so they can water it down so they can be like, hey, we can make mm-hmm. more money if we do this. It's like, but but you're losing everything that the first one had. Why are you doing that? It failed in the original intention as well because it made half of what the original did. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's the interesting thing to hear, that this is actually more faithful to one of the games, I think, the third game, because it just plays like an incredibly safe, formulaic, cookie-cutter, you know, completely lacking in originality, dumbed-down, mainstream horror film. You know, like... I'm, there's no horror. I'm trying to think of, like, other... What I can compare to it. I mean, there's so much kind of, like, in the... Um, in the aftermath of Scream and the whole kind of like post one slasher, there was loads of films that mm. kind of like were then glossied up and you'd get a lot of kind of TV stars as the cast. Um, but some of them were all right, I guess, like um, I know what you did last summer. Obviously, others were complete dross, but this is even sub that level. <laughs> sub, sub. <laughs> you know, we're getting right into the depths of hell with this one. And I'm assuming that's why there's, I mean, is there going to be... Um, I mean, like, I'd like to see the franchise continued in a similar vein to how they're going to finally do Halloween, where it's kind of like a different story every time. You know, like American Horror yeah. Story, yeah. the mm. TV show kind of is an anthology show in the sense that it doesn't really follow the same characters, although they're played by the same cast. I mean, here, as long as they could just have Silent Hill as the location, just make it totally different original stories in that setting. But I, I'm assuming this is just completely soured the, the the kind of brand at the box office and they, they I mean there's no there's something coming out next year oh is there, there? there is really? okay. is Silent it? Hill Genesis which is going to be oh. a TV movie that lasts 25 minutes oh. so Doris is shorter <laughs> they're going in the right direction <laughs> they're getting shorter and shorter claim the losses <laughs> so I'm thinking of one thing that you can say in this film's defence is that at least like obviously it reprises certain scenes from the original film but also it does still use some of that original film soundtrack so that's literally the only <laughs> thing that I can find that's going for it well I'm, I'm running out of steam because it's just terrible so just find, final thoughts don't watch it watch yep, the original don't. pass option hard pass option and I own it so I can watch it theoretically whenever I want and you've got extra features on there too oh nice. boy lucky me <laughs> you win <laughs> so I'll not bother asking what we think of this there's no point well I think Andy's got something to say <laughs> you've got the movie right there though haven't you Bean refuses to leave Limbo. Yeah. So the movie should have been about looking for Rose. Yeah, instead of having this stupid mm. shitty chase and the stupid shitty, shitty call. Yeah, and the stupid emo. <laughs> yeah, you needed... High school setting, yeah. Yeah, you needed the quest for Rose. I mean, you could have Sharon back, whatever, I'm not fussed. But that was your movie there. I <laughs> yep. see... Mm. And he just goes, yeah, I'm staying. So he goes, he still survives... Technically. Technically, yeah. <laughs> I'm only coming back yeah. if I get to survive again. Because <laughs> this is the only film franchise I've ever survived. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even then, when they actually go off and get the um, hitchhike, the truck, as the truck's driving off, the fog descends again oh, on the yeah. sign. So it's like, oh, my God, is it the end? You yes, know, it's just yes, bloody it is. painful. Oh, I bloody hope so. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know what the cult is next? It's a cult of a donut because all the police are in there. All the police are trapped. Definitely, yeah. So you what the, the hell was going off there? Why suddenly was it getting swamped by police and a, 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 some sort of police bus? I'll tell you what, very exceptionally quick. Yeah, because it finally, op- it's, yeah, finally opened for business, didn't it? Like, suddenly you people could go to that <laughs> Oh, shit. Yeah. Do you remember? There was a hotel on the way to Silent Hill. Yeah, I did Hotel, understand hotel that. survived. <laughs> in the beginning, because in the first movie, as soon as they get to the um, the the road is closed ahead or whatever, that was it. It was over. Like, boom, they're yeah. at Silent Hill. Now it's like, road closed ahead, right after this hotel. <laughs> Tourist attraction. Come and see Silent Hill. You can't get there, but hey. <laughs> Come and see a hole in the road. There you go. Right, so we can definitely say, without a doubt, this is a big thumbs down from all of us then yeah insult to the original yes. definitely mm, yeah. Pos- <laughs> on a positive thing it's 90 minutes long. so if you don't want to watch the first one watch this one because you get some of the effects in it you get oh you don't Andy <laughs> you get pyramid head if you just want pyramid head you, you get, get pyramid, pyramid head, head cutting off one. butthole head's eyes that's it other way around yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and a load of people's arms yes that was a good scene though I enjoyed that part yeah 30 seconds into the film you see pyramid head you can just switch off after that I guess Moving on then, um, community comments on Silent Hill Revelation, we've had a glorious total of one. From James of the Dead, who's Midge Meister, he says, An awful film, the first one is so much better. I think we've just pretty much said exactly that. Yeah, he summed it up in a tweet, it took us like 40 minutes to talk about how terrible it was. I know, <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> we've really got to work on our delivery. <laughs> but I say, I, I, it's made me think I wouldn't mind giving some of the games a go, to be honest. Not not for the stories, um, although they might well be better done in the games, um, but just to soak up a bit mm. more of that atmosphere um, and, and just kind of see, I guess, what the raw materials that they were, they were working from. So... I know there's one on the on the original Wii, and um, I think we were saying that you can even get the first one on um, to work on the Vita. So um, you know, I may dabble in it. I mean, so that's I guess again the only <laughs> thing I can kind of say about watching the second one, watching the two again together um, for this show has, has made me more curious about the games. Well, thanks again for listening to this show where we've pretty much ranted about a film that is absolutely tawdry for about the last 25 to 50 minutes um thanks to nick for putting up with us um thanks for joining us nick yeah thank you nick, for coming on well yep it was a good time talking about the movies not Ooh. so much a good time watching the first one's yeah, good the first one's on. good time hopefully you've enjoyed this show this is um part of our halloween package for this year and Hopefully we'll join you again for our next show, which will probably be back to our standard format. Who can tell? Ways for the community to get in touch. Send us questions, suggestions. What are we really doing that you like? And what things do you not want to talk about anymore? Email us to lapsgamerradio at gmail.com. The LGR blog is on lapsgamer.com. Our LGR Twitter feed is at lapsedgamer. And you can like us on our Laps Gamer Radio Facebook page and add yourself to the LGR community Facebook group. So, all that's left to say now, guys, is uh, goodbye, really. Um, See you all again soon. Yep, thanks, Kev, for doing a grand job of hosting, and I hope everyone has a lovely Halloween. Yeah, happy Halloween. Yep, have a good one, everybody. Have a great Halloween. It's a better movie than these. (laughs) 